Welcome to the British American Business Council Los Angeles podcast. The BABCLA is a vibrant organization and part of the largest transatlantic business network celebrated across the US and UK for its important business and social connections. Each episode, you'll hear enlightening interviews on timely subjects with British and American experts across industries. Good morning, everybody. My name is James Langridge, and I am the president of the British American Business Council here in Los Angeles. And welcome back once again for another live web event. Today, we have just a, a wonderful guest, a new member to the British American Business Council here in LA. If anyone's listening and you're not a member, I encourage you to join. We have a diverse, great group of people. And today we have Lisa Goldsmith. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? Hello, hello. Good morning, James. I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks so much for asking. I am super excited to talk to you a little bit more about what you do. But before we get there, I just want to make an announcement to anyone tuning in. A very happy new year. Welcome to 2021. 2020 was quite the year. Some ups and downs, lots and lots of things in between. We're now in 2021. Some major announcements coming from the BABC here in LA very shortly. Some great events, both virtual and live events coming up later this year when it's safe to meet in person, of course. Uh, More on that to follow. But getting back to our special guest today, Lisa, you have a wonderful career in film, and we're going to get to that in a second. But today you're here to talk to us a little bit about Safari Conservation Adventures, Again, actually, let's get to that in a second. Let's go back to you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself so everyone can learn a little bit more about you. Yes. So my background is film and television, and I've been working in the industry for over 28 years now, and mainly as a set decorator designer for film and television. And I've also been doing documentary work all in between that time. I've, as I was always fascinated with wildlife and Africa, I had been creating my own videos along the way while I was working in film. So I make my living as a decorator, but my passion is wildlife conservation and traveling to Africa. And uh, that has really like taken over a lot of my well, it's not, I haven't taken over my career. It's really added a lot to my career as far as doing wildlife films and connecting with conservation people and all of that sort of stuff. There's so many different things that we can get involved in in our lives. And you, you have an attraction, obviously, to safari, animals, Africa. I mean, how did that all begin? There must have been something that started kind of that process for you. Tell us more about that. Yeah, you know, for me, honestly, it was like the first time I went to Africa. And it's just an incredible, visceral experience being out in the bush and really coming across a pride of lions or a herd of elephants and being in the right in the smack of the circle of life. It's like once you go to Africa, you get the bug. It's like you just want to keep going back. They say once you get the dust of Africa on your feet, you'll always find a way to return. And so my for my biggest draw over there was initially like the animals, of course, you know, the plight of the African uh, elephant and the rhino and, you know, the loss of habitat and all the issues going on with those particular animals and lions. And... I'm also like a big photographer and I love shooting wildlife, you know, filming wildlife. So it's a huge draw for me to be there and to go with 
specialist guides that help me understand what's going on on that continent and why there's still poaching going on and how to involve communities, uh, the people living there. It's just, you know, it's a very multidimensional experience when you go to Africa because you just really learn so much more about what's happening over there. So to me, it was just a combination of being there, being with the people, you know, looking at the wildlife. It's just incredible, a whole different world. No, it sounds like it. I know that your next safari trip is primarily in Tanzania and Kenya. I've never done a safari. I've always been interested in it. I hear about people wanting to go to Africa to see the big five and that kind of experience. Tell us a little bit more about anyone who has never been, I mean, if someone who's never been on a safari, how do you even plan it? Why would someone want to work with you? I mean, you obviously, I know the answer, but people who are listening, tell us, tell us more about what happens. It is very interesting because when you first start planning a safari, it's very overwhelming. There are hundreds of safari companies out there and they all have something great to offer. So, I mean, I always do a lot of research before I go on a safari. And that's what I was doing every trip. You know, when I first started, I would get five quotes from five different tour operators, safari companies, and make my my wish list and they help you create an itinerary. The thing that, you know, I noticed just after the years of me going to Africa, you know, on an ongoing basis, I was always doing a lot of volunteer work and working with different uh, nonprofit organizations because I really wanted to understand what was going on with the animals over there. And, you know, it's like, you know, growing up, I remember as a little girl, I couldn't understand why famine was so prevalent in countries like Africa and India and why it still wasn't resolved and it's the same that's what captured me that's what it it captured me to go into Africa in the first place was just the people you know and the animals so anyway getting back to when you're planning your safari for me you can go on regular cookie cutter safaris where usually you'll go and you'll have two game drives in the day you go in the morning you go in the afternoon and you run around and you try and see the big five you know That is a very structured safari, which everybody does, and you have to try it once. But what is different, what for me, why I really wanted to collaborate with this conservationist, Ian Mickler, I know we're we're kind of diverting and getting into that, is that I wanted to create a very different kind of experience going to Africa. And I really wanted to combine conservation with an amazing epic trip, like going deep into the bush and having freedom and no time restraints and ample time to shoot wildlife and not be restricted. When you're on a regular safari, you are restricted and you have to leave camp at a particular time. But when you go with a specialist guide, which is what I started doing years ago, you have leeway of leaving camp early, coming back to camp at night, being out in the bush all day. We can track a pride alliance for days. You know, you'll follow a pride of lions and you'll you'll do a combination of walking on foot and then you'll go in your vehicle and you will just study these particular pride of lions for a couple of days. And it's incredible the experience and what you capture when you spend when you're able to spend more time in the bush. So things like that were very appealing to me. Thank you. So um gosh, tracking a pride alliance. And when you're doing that, are you actually moving camp? As well as um, that, or is, is it you traveling a lot of distance with them every day? Or is yeah, it, I no, mean, they, how close do you get to these things? 
you get close. You get close. Like, you know, um, when you're walking, you know, you do walk on a, like, I like to do a combination. Like that's what, when we track a Pride Alliance, we'll do a little bit of walking and you walk single file, you walk with a guide in the very front and an armed guide and an armed guide behind you and a few people in between. It's always very small groups and you're never gonna put yourself in danger, you know? And there's a reason why we all walk in a single file and we don't talk. So you do a combination of walking and you just observe, right? You don't get too close so that you're in danger, of course. And the only reason why the guards have rifles, they would shoot up into the air if if needed. You know, like, trust me, I, I'm a very big uh, anti-hunter, anti-poacher, all of that sort of stuff. And then you can get even closer when you're in the vehicle. So they may start at a certain location in the morning and then move to another location in the day. So we'll start out finding where they are and we'll sit with them for a few hours and then we'll get in the vehicle and kind of follow them and just see what they're doing, you know? And when you go super early in the morning, you might be lucky and find them with their kill from the night before because lions tend to sleep in the day, get up very early, excuse me, they sleep all in the day, they hunt at night, and you usually catch them eating their prey in the morning. So there's a whole... Uh, are they, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Lisa, but you mentioned lions a couple of times. Is that your favorite animal on safari? It is actually. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard because they're also beautiful, but I would say lions and then elephants. And then of course there's rhinos and who doesn't love everything else. But I think I just have a fascination with lions and because there is such a huge concern with the lion population happening right now, I find that it's important to kind of, you know, you go on a safari and you educate people within conservation. You tell them, this is the plight, what's happening with lions. And did you know, mm. and did you know that elephants are still being poached? So getting into safari conservation adventures, I want to mention when we do our trips, they're very small. They're tailor-made for the person, whether you've been on a safari for the first time or you've gone like 24 times. It's a very small, unique experience where you create your own itinerary and you work with a specialist guy like Ian Mickler, who has his own safari companies, had for over 30 years. And you learn about conservation from an amazingly experienced conservation expert who is on the front lines with these different organizations, seeing what's happening. You know, and it's not just about what? conservation. We have a lot of fun. Great, right? We stay in lovely places. So, so it just sounds amazing. Not stay in a short <laughs> amount of time, but you know. No, it's great. Well, listen. Oh, and by the way, that's a great segue. Good morning, anyone who's listening in. Obviously, uh, Lisa and I are talking about her wonderful uh, company, Safari Conservation Adventures, and we're kind of taking a deeper dive into that. But anyone listening with any questions, if you go to the panel at the bottom of your screen, you can see the Q and A section. Feel free to write us a question. We, could, we would love to. Uh, we have a little bit of time with Lisa today. I'm sure there'll be an opportunity for you to speak to Lisa offline. Lisa, I'm sure, will kindly provide her contact information. It's in the e-blast as well. And after this event, it will be sent out as well. So with your permission, obviously, Lisa, people yeah, can reach out to you. Sure. Um, yeah. Conservation is such a word that, you know, can, it's, a, it's a big thing. It's huge. There's many different facets to it. You mentioned a gentleman called Ian. I mean, tell us a little bit more about some of the conservation efforts that are going on at the moment and how are you spearheading that with your company? What are you hoping to achieve? 
Well, for me, I really, you know, I work with Ian Mickler. I've known him for a number of years. And he, as I was mentioning, he has his own safari company. He's a very well-known conservationist in South Africa, very politically involved. Me and everybody else really are trying to change the way the government are in South Africa and, and in different countries in Africa. There's still a huge, we're trying to save obviously the elephant, the rhino and the lion. And there's been constant poaching going on for many, many, many years. And it's stronger now than ever before. So for me, one of the, the things that I want to offer when we do this conservation trip is just kind of educating people about, did you know this is what's going on? Do you understand why there's Bush meat poaching. Bush meat poaching is because a lot of the rural community members are starving because there's no jobs, you know, and so they have to poach a certain animal so they can feed their family. Did you know that elephants are still being poached and there's a lot of money for a local to poach an elephant to feed a whole village, you know, for a couple of years. So I think we're just trying to bring the attention to the government and to the people that look, Tourism and wildlife is huge. Without the animals, there's no tourism industry in, in Africa. Like there's not a reason to go to Africa if there's no wildlife left. You know, that's kind of the gist of it. Of course, there are people that will still go. But we're just saying it's important that we continue to preserve wildlife because it affects the whole ecosystem and the environment. You know, every animal has a very specific job to do in the bush and without them everybody suffers so it's all about bringing the attention of what's going on over there not just with the animals but what i'm saying is also community members we've got an anonymous question here anonymous attendee thanks so much for your question lisa we've been asked what can we do from here to help with conservation efforts i mean that's such a great question thank yeah. you whoever asked that it is a great question because you don't have to be in africa to be able to help you can do it from here so a company that I work with or not a nonprofit uh, company that I do a lot of side work with is called Stop Poaching Now. And they're based in Los Angeles. And we do yearly events like we were doing. We did our first virtual event last year because we had to go virtually. There are many companies, many organizations that you can go. You can you can Google Save the Lion and a ton of you know organizations will come up. I think what's you know, what I like is I know a lot of different organizations that I know my money goes directly to the boots on the ground. We want to help the rangers. So going to stop poaching now, I'm just giving you an example. We do this event, this yearly event called E-Race Extinction. And we were- I just saw that. That's on June. That's in June of this year. Yeah, we're, um, we're developing it now. And that's when we think we're going to do it is in June. Okay. And we- we have like, you know, between five to seven beneficiaries, which are organizations that are working directly on the ground, small root, you know, like I call them root organizations. They're not huge. Like, you know, there's a lot of companies that are huge that have ample money. These are small organizations that really need our help, you know, and so uh, you can go on the Stop Poaching Now site. You can contact me. I can give you some recommendations of organizations you can check out and donate you know, and know where your money is going and know that it's going to the right place. Where um, obviously COVID-19, the pandemic itself caused unbelievable stress and duress on a lot of different people and businesses. How yeah. has it affected? Well, I would say, how has it affected safaris? But more importantly, how has it affected conservation? 
and caring for what's been going on. I mean, how I mean, it must have affected it. Yeah, what that's great question. It's really affected wildlife a lot because because these organizations have had to lay off some of their employees, which are rangers, you know, it could be some rangers that are working with anti-poaching units on the ground protecting these animals. There's less protection for the animals because there's less people being paid to be there on the ground because of COVID, because these organizations have to cut you know, some of their employees. So there's less eyes on wildlife. So there's been more poaching. There's been more poaching of lion, of, of rhino, of um, elephant, of more bushmeat poaching, you know, less eyes, like tourism really actually protects wildlife because that means even though maybe wildlife actually don't like having humans around, there's boots on the ground, there's vehicles on the ground, there's people around in the vicinity. So poachers know that they're being watched. So there's more protection with the tourism industry prior to COVID. You know, there's more protection on the ground. So it's a lot more, animals are left a lot more vulnerable at this time. Uh, have, has there been any research done on that yet? Do we know if it's had a, an impact? Has there yeah, been a spike in, in poaching? Yeah, I mean, you know, we hear different stories all the time, you know, and, and I right. Josh. with people like Grant Fowles from Project Rhino and Rhino 911, you know, that I work with them all the time. I'm friends with a lot of these organizations. They're reporting to me from the field of just saying, oh, you know, this is what's happening, you know, so I'm getting news from the front lines all the time. For those of us listening today and for myself as well, Lisa, if we feel, you know, we feel obliged to do something, you know, we want to take action. What can we do? That's a great question. What I would say is, it's almost kind of like what I was saying before is, how can you help the lion? The biggest thing for me, for example, or, or the elephant, the biggest thing for me is to get online, do some research, find out what organizations are, are doing great work. Like I can email, I can send an email blast to you just like with 20 organizations that I know and work with that are on the front lines. What you can do is just don't, obviously don't support any kind of hunting. Don't buy, let me divert. Cause I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking so deeply that I'm, I'm getting a little bit lost in my thoughts. No, it's fine. Grassroots. We're, if we're just going grassroots like today, if there's someone listening in right now, look, for example, me, I yeah. want to donate to a cause where I know whatever I, if I send a hundred dollars, yeah. I want to know that it's going to go and actually have an impact. What do yeah. I do? Do I come to you? You're going to tell yeah, me to go so somewhere. I would say, okay, reach out to me. Let me give yep. you some names of organizations. Like maybe I'll give you 20 different names, 15 or 20 different organizations that I know and work with. And I could say to you, okay, reach out to Rabia Hauer from the Lindsay Africa Foundation. Their rangers really need, you know, their rangers are working on shoestring budgets. And if you donate $50 to them, they'll be able to feed their, their family for another two weeks. And this will really keep them on the ground protecting wildlife. So I'm happy to like create like a little spreadsheet that I can, you know, do of just like particular organizations that I work with that will direct people, you know, that are options for people that they can contact them and see where their money goes. These yeah. are organizations that I like personally. So on, on the flip side of that, um, obviously you have a wonderful business where people can have a wonderful experience. Yeah. Um, 
you don't have to go into specifics, but I mean, what kind of budget do people need to have in their minds? Well, you know, what kind of time, what time, how long are these safaris? I know you say you can create as long as you want. Give us an example of, you know, with flights, which vary obviously, and how it all, we're traveling and getting there right now. What kind of budget would a family of four need to have? Okay, so for example, like the kind of trips that we do, they're mid-range, right? And that means safaris can be very cheap or very expensive, but it's really about what you really need to research is who your ground operators are, who you're traveling with, and are these companies sustainable, you know, practicing sustainability and are they ethical? Because that's huge for me, like being a conscientious traveler. So for example, to answer your question, we're doing a trip later on in the year, and this is like, July, August, once we all have the vaccine and we're cleared to go. We have a trip planned to Kenya and Tanzania. So for example, that's a two week trip. It's bespoke, meaning it's tailor-made. We go with Ian Mickler, who is the specialist guide. He's somebody that I work with and collaborate with on this, on this uh, safari conservation adventures. He is incredibly experienced. We use ethical ground operators. We stay in lovely places. We, we do, you know, like authentic bush camps right in the middle of the bush. That trip, you know, because we're going to two different countries and we are going on a lot of small planes. We're hopping from different camps into different countries. That will range between 14 to 15 per person. And that okay. is 1,000. And that is a mid-range budget. You know, it's a different experience. It's a different kind of experience when you are adding conservation and you have the option of adding in a, a lot more activities to your safari, as opposed to if you did a cookie cutter safari and you were only out a few hours in the, in the morning and a few hours in the afternoon. With what I do, because this is, I basically tailor it to what, the way I would like to travel and how I think everybody else would enjoy traveling. We stay out in the bush all day. We can walk, you know, we can track a pride of lions or a herd of elephants for a few days. We can add balloon safaris. This, it, it's ample, like the opportunities. There's a lot of different kinds of activities that, that we can do, you know, and that includes a lot. Like when people say, what is the budget? What, is, what does that include? It's so vast what it includes. Like it includes all your meals. It includes all your accommodation. It includes all your flights, you know, your internal flights. It includes transportation your specialty guide, your drivers, you know, there's a lot that it includes. Planning Africa is a complicated trip. It's a very moving trip. It's not like you're going to Spain or France and you're staying in this hotel. You have to be safe and uh, you need experts. Your guide will determine how your safari will be, your specialist guide. No, it's incredible. We're coming to the end of our conversation, Lisa. I just want to say thank you very much again for everything today. And anyone who's listening and afterwards as well, when you're listening in, there's so much information here. So, um, uh, Lisa, just one more time. Where can people find you online? What's your website or how do they contact you? The best thing to do is to email me. At You've got my email address, right? And, and you know, I've got... Do you want to just say it out loud just yeah, for anyone it, listening now? Yeah, for sure. It's lisa.goldsmith11 as in one one at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram under headed to Africa and also on Facebook under Safari Conservation Adventures. 
but email me because I can just, there's so much to cover in a very short amount of time, but I've even got like sample itineraries for people to look at and really a bit more of a breakdown of what Safari Conservation Adventures is in a nutshell so that you can see it on paper and understand really what this is all about. No, I think that sounds amazing. Lisa, I ask this of everyone on here, whenever I'm speaking to anybody, 2020 was quite the year um, and we're all looking for a little positive mind shift right now. Whenever you're talking to friends or colleagues or anybody, what kind of, uh, anyone listening in today, what kind of piece of positivity would you like to instill on them to, to go away with? What would you like to say? You know what I say? I, I have, and I've been saying this to myself, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And I just keep thinking that and saying that. And I just feel very grateful. But even though we're in this predicament, we have a lot of resources at our hands and we are lucky to have what we have. Just stay in the mindset of nothing is impossible. The possibilities are limitless and the best is yet to come. And that's what I just keep saying. What else can I say? I love I it. Say that. No, that's absolutely excellent. Lisa, you've been absolutely wonderful this morning. Thank you so very much. Thank and you. everyone listening in, you've been listening to another live event with the British American Business Council. Los Angeles. My name is James Langridge. Thank you again, Lisa Goldsmith. You've been wonderful. And we'll see you again soon in person. Yes. More to follow. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, James. My pleasure. Thank you. See you. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favourite platform. Your likes and reviews really do help us reach new listeners.